I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bogleman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 135. No. Six. What? 136. 136 <laughs> is the episode that is being recorded right now. Yeah. <laughs> you have such a simple job. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You can't tell me two numbers really close together like that and then be surprised that I say the wrong one. <laughs> what are you talking about? We didn't tell you two numbers really close together. Dan, someday in the future, you will be able to hold a three-digit number in your head for longer <laughs> than 30 seconds. 708 Lantern. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about the number 10s tonight, but before that, just thought we'd weigh in on these two things very quickly. First yeah, TV, before. First, first TV and then movies. First, I think you guys know about this. Uh, they've announced what's some of what's going to be coming around in the next batch of the uh, cartoon episodes, which might be season two, might be season one, part two. Who the hell knows right now? But uh, it's going to be the debut of Guy Gardner. Yes, uh, the uh, the article. Chad, did you read this? No, I saw the picture of Guy, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the article I saw says that basically Hal Jordan returns to Earth after the events of the first season in Air Bunnies, <clears throat> finding that, uh-oh, he's been replaced, and here's Guy, and he's awesome and badass because he's Guy Gardner. Uh, he's going to be voiced by... Diedrich Bader, yes. he's, he did uh, the voice of Batman for the Brave and the Bold cartoon. He's also famous for being Oswald from the Drew Carey show. But he was also on Outsourced. I don't know what that is. That's the show that me and Lauren were the only people that watched. Oh, that's why I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Was it good? It was really good, actually, and he was really good on it. Oh, well, there you go. Now he's going to be Guy Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Jim, why don't you describe this picture of Guy Gardner? Because this is, like, I think this is a nice shot and chad i'm gonna copy and paste it into the yeah um i it's good ass (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's a really good it's classic guy gardner the guys look just right i think like the facial expression is him to a t he has this cocky stance about himself and i don't know it's nice i like the fact that they're bringing him in like this yeah, what you call it? Uh, in the the thread, um, you know, some somebody posted this, a JK, I think. Um, yeah, no, it's the, the costume looks good. Looks, you know, just like the comic book costume. Um, I like the the choice of Diedrich Bader for voice. I think that's I think that's a really good match. I think him as Batman in the Brave and the Bold cartoon was like horrendous. Oh. I thought that was, it was so horrible. Um, I, and I like Diedrich Bader, but I did not like him as Batman. But I think he'll be great as Sky Gardner. And, and yeah, like, you can see, like, they release one picture, and, like, and they knew. We're going to release the picture where he's got this cocky smirk on his face. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, that's Guy Gardner. I can't quite picture the voice, though, with this. I, I really want to... I really can't wait to to see slash hear the first clip of this of this uh, character. Um, and now the thing that surprised me, because this is surprising in and of itself, the thing that really surprised me was apparently the villain 
that's going to be mm. popping in for this uh, season or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, the Anti-Monitor. It's like, what? Okay, <laughs> why not? I guess after what they uh they went through with with like this big fleet and the Lantern Corps last season, they they needed to turn it up a little bit. So someone mislabeled something as little bit, and we got the Anti Monitor. <laughs> Although I wonder how threatening the Anti Monitor will come across in this style. Just to be honest. It's going to be like a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. Hey, I'll take it. But you know, like, you know, what? I've I've watched this like this entire season, and they managed to get threatening, dangerous stuff across fairly well without taking it over the top for a kids show. So, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do. Well, they've also managed not to change the design too much on these characters, so. Hopefully they don't change the design of Anti-Monitor just to look like, you know, something that comes across as threatening. I hope it keeps the look, because I don't see anything about Guy that that looks completely changed. He could be wearing clown parachute pants, though. We don't know. We can't see it. <laughs> What's with the little ridge above his nose thing? Uh, Is that always there? Maybe he got punched really hard. He kind of reminds me of one of the Incredibles. <laughs> nice. So, okay. looking forward to that. The other thing, and this isn't directly Green Lantern related, but I guess it kind of is. Cause Yay! Because we talked about... Cause we Not talk directly about... Green Lantern related. Yay! <laughs> no, I'm done. Because we talk about this subject a lot, so I thought this was worth mentioning. Um, Warner Brothers... I believe it was, has come out and said that with the exception of Dark Knight Rises, which by the time this airs will probably be out in theaters, and next year's Man of Steel, there will be no more DC Comics-based movies for at least three years. <laughs> Are they serious? Did you not see this? No, I did not see that. I'm re- I was, was reading this off of io9 earlier today. Uh, basically, what it comes down to is they, based on the Avengers, they really want to do a Justice League movie, and like they and they don't have anybody to do it. Like they said, "Hey, Christopher Nolan, we love you, do it." And he's like, "I don't want to." <laughs> so they're kind of scrambling, and all of their other projects that they want to do, they're quoted as saying, uh, "They don't have." None of the other movies they want to do have a producer, a director, or a cast. So, yeah. Wait, you said with the exception of Dark Knight Rises and Man of Steel, right? Well, Man yeah, of yeah, Steel's yeah. already done filming. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, you know, they yeah. they could be totally ridiculous and push the release of that back three years if they wanted to. They could, I mean, like, but we would kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's that's ridiculous. Three years for it's like you're 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 saying how badly you want a Justice League movie, and then it's like oh but yeah we're not actually going to put anything out at all for three years. It's like like really like you can't find a director, you can't find a producer. Everybody that's good is completely busy, and you throwing money at them is not going to work. It's like it's it's ridiculous. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. The thing is. 
Well, first off, I don't necessarily know that I believe that this is all true. Um, so I'm definitely taking that with a grain of salt. But, like, what we've seen in the past, like, historically, is that Warner Brothers, like, they get these, these great plans in their head as far as, oh, we want to make this, this, you know, this amazing, epic, you know, movie, and we want to make a bunch of movies, and blah, 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 blah. And then it's just like, okay, well, now that we've, you know, passed the script through the executives for the 57th time, you know, and it's been in development for 14 years, it's like, yeah, you know what, I think we're going to end up killing this one. You know, better luck next time. It's like, at Warner Brothers, so many people, like, have to get their hands in the movie so that they can, like, you know, rape funds from it at the end. Yeah, they want to justify their jobs, too. Well, that's part of it, but it's more that they, they want their name credit on it so that they can get a payday at the end of the day. And so many people have to have, you know, have to leave their mark on this movie that eventually it's like, you know, you have 400 people writing a Green Lantern movie. You know, each person handles one scene so that you have this, you know, completely incohesive mess. It's like... And, and they've done that repeatedly. Yeah, I just recently learned Catwoman had like twenty-five writers. <laughs> oh God! But <laughs> yeah. and, you know, like, and as bad as that movie was, like, you had Halle Berry. You know, like Halle Berry is a very good actress. Now, granted, she was given nothing to work with in that movie, but I mean, like, Warner Brothers can get the actors. You know, and if they if they let somebody like Nolan, you know, have the movie and just put somebody like Nolan, you know, who has the vision in charge of all of them and, you know, make that person keep everybody else's hands out of it. You see, like, that's the thing. Like, Jeff Johns is, is supposed to be that guy. Like, he's the, like, uh, what is it, the entertainment director or something like that? Uh, creative creative director? So, uh, I forget the thing. It's something like that. Something to that effect. <laughs> so, I mean, well, like... Chief, chief creative officer. That's it. Like, he should really be keeping this stuff in check. Yeah, well, the, pro the biggest problem is, like, no one in DC Entertainment has the ability to greenlight a movie. They still... They can get all the ducks in the row they want, and at the end of the day, they still have to go to somebody at Warner Brothers and say, hey, can we do this? And then it can either get shot down arbitrarily or it can get greenlit on the condition that it still goes through all of the bureaucratic garbage. I mean, part of me would like to believe that, like, like to stay a little positive with it and just be like, well, they obviously don't have their shit together, so if they are taking three years to get all this worked out, then we might end up with better final products than we would if they push something out in 2013 or 2014. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just it's stupid because it doesn't like it doesn't need to take that long. Like that's that's my my issue. It doesn't it does not need to take that long to put out a great movie and. You know, like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know what it seems to me like? It's like when you know you, that person breaks up with whoever they're dating, 
because they want to spend time to focus on themselves. You know, it's like I, I just need time, and then they set like this magical arbitrary number, and then you know, then they meet a bad boy and they go off with him, and you know that re- relationship turns out to be crap. You know, I think Jim had a wild summer, Chad. I was about to say, it sounds like the saga of a geek to me. <laughs> uh, I don't really know where I pulled that out of, but... Yeah, and there's no, there's nothing repressed there. Alright. No, no, this can't possibly have any ties to you about to have a baby for the first time. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but no, like, this, it's all, it's like a big extension of the fact that, like, of the army argument that Warner Brothers should have had their shit together with this all along. You know? Like, They've had they, like it, the the comparison is inevitable. Look what Marvel Studios was able to do in such a short time when they had carte blanche to just use these characters however they want, and that's what Warner Brothers has had forever, and they've done basically nothing with it. So, yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Well, well it's like you it, said, Dan. Like I think it was was it last week where. Might be two episodes ago. How Warner Brothers? They have so many other movies going on that this is like small potatoes to them. Yeah, like they don't. It doesn't matter if they make a successful superhero movie or not. They can just do other stuff. Yeah, I mean, and while I think that the the concept of the superhero movie, like they want them to take off, um, but like. The fact of the matter is, like, when you have so many different movies that all just go and work on their own, then when it comes to, you know, having people who have to, like, play ball, basically, and play by the rules, and, you know, and do something that's going to actually, you know, pay some attention to the material that it's based on, because that stuff is proven, and it works... It's like, you know, you don't, they don't have that. They're not set up for that at all. Like, you know, everybody wants to play in their own sandbox and, you know, you don't have a company like Marvel that says, oh, we want to create this cohesive universe. You know, we're basically starting, you know, from the ground up. So why not start, you know, somewhere good? Hell, I don't even need, at this point, I would be completely happy with if they just gave me like a Flash movie that was just a kick-ass, self-contained Flash movie. I don't care if it ties into anything else or has any sequels. Just give me like a Flash movie that's awesome. If they make it some bigger, if they if they make it a part of something bigger in the long run, fantastic. Just just do something. Just do something. Along the know, lines wait. of co- along the lines of a cohesive movie verse. Yeah, if this news is true, don't expect any world building in the Man of Steel movie. No, oh, that's true. And if there was world building scripted in before they made this decision, then um, expect there to be stuff edited out of the movie that might make it suck a little more yeah. than it would have in the first place. Yeah, and something else they said was that um, they possibly want- would have. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> no, sorry. Uh, something else they said they wanted to do was use the... Ju- they wanted to do the reverse of what Marvel did. They wanted to to release their Justice League movie and then spin the characters out into solo movies, which, you know, that immediately kind of puts question marks around Man of Steel. Like, are, would that be the same version of Superman 
in the Justice League movie because it's definitely coming out first. Like, would they get, still have Kent Henry Cavill playing him? Would they be rebooting Superman again this soon? Since Amazing Spider-Man basically just proved that yeah, you can do it and make it work. Uh, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> that's all. Well, Should we talk about now that we're all depressed? <laughs> Well, this is the perfect time to talk about the fall of a planet. So, <sighs> New Guardians, number 10, written by Tony Bedard, art by Thomas, who drew this? Tomas. Tomas Giorello. All right. Uh, well, it's got a Tyler Kirkham cover. That should make you guys happy. Hmm. <laughs> um... Alright, so, jumping right in here, Kyle, Fatality, and Atrocitus, Arkillo, all show up at Odom, <clears throat> while, uh, while the, <laughs> the handful of Blue Lanterns left alive are trying desperately to fight off the Reach and their billions of ships and their trillions upon zillions of Scarab Blue Beetle soldiers. Even though they, they can basically do nothing but fly and make shields. So they decide, you know what? These things, these scarabs, are parasites. Let's get them off these people. So they combine their rings. They let their powers combine. Captain Planet shoots out. At least he would have, except a giant spaceship shoots a giant spaceship beam at them from space. Nobody's dead, but you know it, it stops them from uh, severing the link of the scarabs to their host, which was working, and I really like that. Um, you know, uh, Fatality and Arkillo show up, planet side to help them. Kyle doesn't for some reason, because, you know, why should the one guy who can make the Blue Lanterns into a force to be reckoned with come along? <laughs> um, no, he was hanging out up there. Oh yeah, no, he's like, I, I, I'll stay up here, I'll fight some ships, this is fine. Eventually he just happens to get thrown at the planet, and you know, immediately the, the blue rings start increasing his power, his ring starts unlocking their powers, it's going great, except this, it took this long to happen, and the Reach is basically on the verge of winning and wiping them all out. So Kyle convinces St. Walker, look, we gotta go. The battery is in bad shape. We can't move it. Even if we could, we would get shot out of the sky trying to move something that big. We gotta go. We, you're, you're no good to anyone dead. And St. Walker, pissed the hell off, is... He begrudgingly agrees, saves his people, and decides, you know what? This is the fault of Larflees for some reason. Let's get him. <laughs> for some reason... Yeah, uh, can we start there? Why did he assume at the end that Larflees... I, is it because Larflees went to Odom once before? So he's like, you know what, that guy knows where the planet is. He must have brought them. I, well, you know what? I can't give you a logical explanation for why he would suspect that. Because Larflees would take it for himself. He wouldn't give the location away to somebody else. Hmm. Stands against, you know, it's, it stands against everything that Larflees believes in. 
Yeah. Chad, what do you think of this issue? Uh, I like it. Um, the art was okay. Um, kind of weird in places, great in other places. Uh, I didn't really like the fact that they kind of gave up not just the battery, but Odom. Because I think uh, seeing Odom was always a cool visual whenever we did get a chance to. So the fact that that's gone kind of pisses me off a little bit. Um, I think something I had a problem with in this issue, and it's probably, again, very minor. Um, but I, I didn't really like the fact that St. Walker said, Damn you, Kyle. I don't. I don't know why, but for some reason that just seems like something Saint Walker wouldn't say. Yeah. It, it just it, when it, when when I saw that and read that, I was just like, uh, I don't really know that Saint Walker would say that. I mean, especially after the, everything that's been going on this this issue and the past issue, and just kind of you know reading his reaction and how hopeful he is, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, just all his all his dialogue throughout this these past two issues and then suddenly he says that uh, like, probably not a big deal but just when I read it it just kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth yeah. yeah but I mean at the same time I mean St. Walker basically just lost a world and up to this point <clears throat> he's he's lost individuals but he is he's never seen something like this fall especially like considering like this could at least in his eyes, this could be the fall of the Blue Lantern Corps. Because as far... Like, he doesn't know they're going to be able... Like, I'm assuming, again, as it's with every episode, we have to bring it up, I'm assuming this is going towards Lanterns being, being able to light the rings themselves. So, but, you know, he doesn't know they're going to be able to do that at this point. You know, if they lose the battery, they're done, as far as he's concerned. But he knows Kyle's right, they have to get out or they'll be killed. So it's like, what are you going to do? There's no good option. There's yeah. only the less dead one. <laughs> and, and something else that really caught my eye about this issue um, is the fact that uh, it, it's, it's the Weaponer himself. Um, uh, just what he... First of all, his White Lantern shield and uh, and uh, hammer are there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then he doesn't and, use them. He hits I mean, people. He, yeah, he's. I mean, he just. Now, is is his hammer surrounded by the white energy, or is it materialized out of the white energy? Because while it's glowing white in a lot of panels, there is one panel um, where it's not glowing. Where, yeah, where it's not glowing at all. Yeah. Well, also in the other issue, uh, was it number eight? I believe. Um, where, you know, where he featured prominently in that one, not only did it never light up, but there was no white netting on the shield either. So no, there's no netting on this one either. But they, the yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the like that star zigzag pattern that was the oh yeah that was the net. But what you call it? The the issue that I have with that is that if he has the shield hooked up with the net and the hammer is glowing white, then he can transform that hammer into any weapon that he wants. You know, considering the fact that he took on, like, a small army of Green Lantern Corps members and he was taking on, like, tons of weaponers, you know, with that one weapon, 
now all of a sudden, you know, it's like he's up against these Blue Beetles, and the best that he can think to do is hit them with his hammer. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well he, he, just, he just saw Thor, so, you know. <laughs> there, there's something else that I just noticed just now. Uh, he says, these scarabs are as deadly as anything I ever created, and while they covet this planet, the real prize is right here. And he says that before Kyle comes down and lets them know that not just after the battery, they're consuming this planet for the most part. So did he know already what was going on? Or is that just a slip of the writing there? Just um, just what he says, and he's just accidentally giving away what Kyle's about to say in a minute? Um. No, because they've mentioned that in previous issues. Like, I think the Reach, when they were going, it's like, well, we were here for the planet, but then we, you know, then all of a sudden that battery, well, that's... But they never they never said that to any of the people there, and plus they didn't, and, and the Weaponer wasn't there in the first place. The Weaponer is the one who says, and while they covet this planet, the real prize is right here. He just got there. He hasn't he has, spoken with anybody. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason for him to know anything about their plan. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, what you call? I guess he, I guess he could assume it. He, but... Here's here's my issue with this this comic. First off, I hated the art. Um, <laughs> you did you didn't like seeing the uh, two page filler guy get an entire issue? What? This is this is the same artist that got um. Those... Oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I thought you were talking about a character. Yeah no um. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's the bad fill-in artist, and all of a sudden now it's expanded to an entire issue. First off, like I don't like his style to begin with, but then you have him drawing the Blue Lanterns. Every Blue Lantern looks like angry and like rough, and you know it's like that was the cool thing about the Blue Lanterns. Like they were tough, but they were also, like, it was, like, gentle but tough kind of thing because they had to portray, like, you know, the the hope concept while also, you know, fighting for, for good. This, it's just like, you know, you see Worth, and he just looks angry in that, you know, kind of two-page spread. Um, what you call it? The, the character that died in the last issue is apparently back to life now. <laughs> With his blue lens, it's it's almost like this artist, like, didn't take any time to actually pay attention to what happened in the previous issues, and so, you know, he's he's drawing these things based on what he thinks happened, and that's I think what happened with the with the Weaponer also. Um, I think he probably saw that the last time he saw Weaponer, he had a white glowing you know hammer and uh, the net around his shield. So we probably figured, oh, okay, I'll just do that again. Um, yeah, you know what? When that mistake gets makes it to the to the finished product, that's not the artist's fault. That's the editor's fault. Because like every now and then, an artist will do something wrong, or they will base something off of the wrong the wrong uh, source material or character sheets, and the editor's supposed to be the one that goes through and catches it and says, "Hey, we got to change that." That's that's definitely true. I agree with that, but. By the same token, I mean, like, you know, you have a, an artist that, well, even if, even if, like, you're not blaming the artist, 
like you have an artist that hasn't been kept in the loop as far as what's actually going on with the characters that he's drawing. So that's an even bigger issue, you know, for the editor, as opposed to just catching the mistake afterwards. This this artist isn't all bad though. Let's let's take note to notice what he's done um, that I myself noticed Tyler started doing himself is the way he draws the energy around the lanterns. Uh, fatality, his energy is like all that swirly, loopy, whatever yeah. uh, that we've noticed before. Uh, Arkillo's energy is different as well. It's it's uh, it's a, like a lightning fire mix. Uh, the the Blue Lantern's constructs and energy is like a very soft, glowing, and smooth, uh, smooth construct, that kind of a thing. So, he, I mean, he does do some things very well. I feel like Tyler was doing that in the beginning. Tyler wasn't doing that in the beginning. He wasn't? Do you have the weapon or trade available? Or? I, I, don't, I don't remember him doing that in the very beginning. Well, I mean, as far as... Well, it wouldn't be the weapon or trade. It would be the first New Guardians trade. No, I'm talking in the beginning of... of, of I'm referencing the beginning of Tyler's uh, run with Green Lantern-related material. But when would he have drawn the other cores? When he was going... When they were going up against the Yellow... Green Lanterns were going up against Yellow Lanterns on... On Korgar? Yeah, but those... Their energies aren't that different. The yellow and the green have always been fairly similar. It's the other ones that were different. Like, the the violet has always been very flowery and stuff like that. The blue has always been that, you know, that glow. And the red okay, well has then, always been, like, the blood energy. Well, then, what about when Tyler was drawing him in uh, War of the Green Lanterns? drawing the actual like earth lanterns in the different colors yeah I'm talking about the energy I'm not talking about the way the lanterns themselves are drawn no I, I know but you're talking about back before he was drawing a book filled with you know multiple different colored lanterns he was also drawing a book colored with different colored lantern energy with New Guardians. I mean, not New Guardians, uh, War of the Green Lanterns for the issues that he drew. What I'm saying is he hasn't always drawn the energy so distinctly different in the past. Right, and I'm pretty sure he started right at the beginning of this series. Right. Right. He started doing it at the beginning of the series, but what I'm saying is this new artist at least has continued that trend, and that is something I appreciate. Oh. Yeah. No, but you, what you said was that <laughs> oh, God, he it's started over. It's something over. <laughs> that Tyler Kirkham continued with. James, you know what to do. <laughs> yes, Tyler Kirkham started that, and this guy is following it. Right. Yes. That is what I said. I thought that you were saying the reverse. That no. this villain guy created that. I said, I said, I said Tyler Kirkham's been, con- or this guy has continued on with something Tyler Kirkham has been doing. <laughs> what did you think I was arguing then? 
that that you are arguing the fact that that Tyler hasn't had the chance to do that before. So why would it be a big deal that he started up? <laughs> That's a ridiculous argument. <laughs> you you've made ridiculous arguments in the past. We all make, have. You uh, make uh, one a week. <laughs> I was not making that argument. You know, I really do look like the look of uh like when Fatality comes out of her warp tunnel wormhole thing. It looks mm-hmm. like she's like swimming out of a pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and I really like how this guy, like, he he uses our Like, the way he he draws our Kilo, it's, like, nice. You know, it looks, he looks like he's, I don't, I don't even know. He looks like he's physically there. That's a, that's a weird thing to say. But, you know, it's, he has, like, this really good presence in this book. You know, that, um, that's a good point, actually. He does draw a good art Kilo. And the way that he draws the Blue Beetles... And technically, the way that he draws the Blue Lanterns also, it looks like his style would be, you know, very well suited for something like... Red Lantern? (laughs) Yeah. Actually, yeah, he would probably go perfect on a Red Lantern book, or if they did, like, a book dedicated to the Sinestro Corps. You know, Hmm. I think that he would do a very good job making them look very scary. But, I mean, as far as this team book doesn't do it for me. I think it was actually... Because, I mean, you brought up his way of depicting the Blue Lanterns. Or but one of you did. Probably both of you. Uh, how, like, his Blue Lanterns look meaner and angrier and all that. Um, I think that actually kind of helped this issue. Because, like, this issue is the Blue Lanterns struggling in a losing war that's going to kill them. And at the very least, like it, they get away, but the result is still the death and destruction of everything they had and held dear. You know, like and they were fighting it tooth and nail every inch of the way and losing. So like it makes sense. Like it wouldn't really ring true to me to see them keeping up with their their like happy, hopeful, pleasant demeanor with like like, nice faces and all this stuff. Like, they should look like they're pushed to the brink. They should be be responding to this emotionally like they haven't before. Like, like I love how completely pissed off St. Walker is by the end. Like, I'm looking forward to the next issue because I want to see St. Walker fly up a Larflees and punch him in the fucking face as hard as possible because he believes the Larflees did this. You know, but one of the, the the big issue that I have with that, the way that he's drawing the Blue Lanterns, is that you, the Sinestro Corps members, how many Sinestro Corps members are getting their rings because of the fact that they're scary looking and they inspire fear with their looks? 17. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. 18. So... With the Blue Lanterns, you know, you're talking about the complete opposite spectrum, the hope spectrum. It's, you know, you have St. Walker, who when he was first designed, and for the most part, you know, people drawing him afterwards, he has a very, like, calming look. It's very, it's alien, but it's like, he almost looks like a stuffed animal kind of thing. And then you had Worf, this, like, big jolly elephant, and then... 
him, uh, brother him, where like he's got this droopy face, but you know he looks like he looks like somebody that would inspire hope. Yeah. But like with this issue, you know, you look at that page where the willpower is detected, where Green Lantern, you know, finally decides to join the battle and show up and power up the rest of the Blue Lanterns. There's this like this pink-skinned, a yellow, beady-eyed creature with these sharp razor teeth being shown off. It's like, I don't know, it's like some kind of like scary, you know, beast creature. You know, be, so but you have that, you yeah, know, like he's it. like, he's actively designing blue lanterns that look scary. Yeah, As opposed to, like, and then the other, what was it, uh, Kirkham, Tyler Kirkham was designing like, you know, an eagle, a flying eagle-based Blue Lantern, a giraffe-based Blue Lantern. Like, these are designs that are not going to scare you. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, I get to create some alien lanterns. Like, if you look at the next page where willpower is unlocked, like, in the background, you have this, like, I don't know, like a lizard creature where not only is he not wearing blue, but they didn't even bother to give him any uniform. And he just looks like this, like, weird, you know, creepy lizard creature. I think part of the problem with the art on this book, and I will uh, I will admit that, you know, I, I don't like the fill-in artist that now he has uh, the whole thing, doesn't help, but I believe part of the problem we have here with this art, uh, a large part of it at least, is dedicated to the inker and the colorist of this issue. The colorist um, does not help. The, the colorist is not Nay Rufino, first of all, yeah. uh, and w- we all love Nay Rufino, so, but there is a scene in here, you know, it's possible that the hammer not glowing white in that one panel, Yeah. whereas before, that's probably the colorist mis- a colorist mistake, or it could be an artist mistake, I don't know. There's a scene opposite of the Batman and Robin uh, ad there that has them, where St. Walker is saying, regroup lanterns. Um, that chick with the violet hair that we think could possibly be the uh, spy for the um, Star Sapphires. Her hair is clearly white or silver there. Yeah. There's a lot of coloring mistakes in this book. Um, so I, oh, I think part of it is coloring and inking. The panel just below that, St. Walker doesn't have a blue lantern symbol. There's a lot of spaces where people don't have blue lantern symbols. Yeah, the constructs unlocked, the... Yeah. The pink-haired chick. Yeah, and then the chick, you know, her hair turns pink. And speaking of the pink-haired chick, I think it's more likely now that we've seen her again and again in multiple panels throughout this issue. Um, you Because know, whenever we see St. Walker, he's always close by with Worth and Sister Cersei and that other guy. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever. Brother him. Brother him, whatever. Uh, but... In, in a lot of these panels, she's also right by their side. She never gets a name or anything, but she's a part of that quote-unquote main Blue Lantern group. So <laughs> With color-changing I mean, hair. Yeah. Oh, and she has, she's completely green-skinned in another panel. Oh, that's her? I thought that was someone else. So, yeah, it's I, not, I, a, I, not a whole lot of like female Blue Lantern chicks. Yeah, I, I like the art style. But or I don't like the art style that much, but I, I think that we can't place all the blame on the artist. Yeah. 
I like the um, two things I really, well, one and a half things I really like. Uh, when Fatality encases the blue central battery in the crystal shield, this one blue beetle's like, like that, like that's stupid. You, I can crack that like with no problem. He shoots his cannon at it. It just ricochets off and murders another blue beetle. <laughs> Thought that was funny. And I can't decide if this is cool or lame. When all the blue lanterns yell, all will be well, when you turn the page, Arkello shows up, no, all will be hell. <laughs> just starts punching people in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was cool with that. <clears throat> oh, and speaking of Arkello, we got to see his uh, new ring's limitations start to creep in. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it decides to stop working whenever he tries to use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite the limitation. Yeah, I like how they they depicted it too, because it looks like, like um, this dude drew the full construct and then just erased parts of it, maybe like blurred it a little bit digitally. Um, just for because hey, I'll be the first to admit when Jim is right or wrong, so let's just go with the right thing here. <laughs> um. The, the page where Kyle is pointing out um, that those cocoon things are on their way, uh, St. Walker points back at the central power battery, which is cracking and breaking apart. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were the odds he was right? Mm. <gasps> so, there yeah. you go, Jim. <laughs> I don't need to gloat on it. As long better as, do it. As long as we can go to the next comment quickly. Better gloat on it now, because you're probably not going to have the chance to be right about something for a long time. That's... And part of the reason I say it's the inks on this guy, just the last thing, this very last page, right, the panel right above where he says, it's time Larfleeze answered for his crimes. Look at uh, the weaponer's face in that bubble. It's just something. Face. I don't. I don't know why, but something about the way that looks just really bothers me. Kind of looks like Doctor Light. <laughs> he just. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. So so, buy borrow pass. Mm. <laughs> borrow. Bye. I like this. Yeah, I, I didn't. The, well, I mean, I hated the art, but I mean, the story was. I don't know. It just it seemed very depressing. Well, it's well, a very depressing story. It's it's not supposed to be uplifting. Yeah, the world of hope is being attacked. <laughs> it, well, being destroyed. Yeah. Hope yeah, it, is being yeah. destroyed. Yeah. What What did you expect to feel from this issue? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter what I expected. The thing is, I walked away just feeling depressed after reading it. Good. So that means they, that mm. means they did their job. Okay. Mm. Well, they did their job, but that doesn't make it any more entertaining. Oh, sure it does. Okay. Anyways, speaking, speaking of speaking, all that stuff. <laughs> speaking of art, we hate Red Lanterns number ten. Yeah, Jim. Okay, so Red Lanterns number ten. Um, Bye. Ugh. 
by Peter Milligan and uh, Miguel Sepulveda on art. Um, here we have uh, a bunch of the Red Lanterns flying through space, headed towards the uh, home of the Star Sapphires, and uh, Rancor is getting uh, he's getting bullied by some of the other members because they sense his like fear. Um, and Blee's, uh, you know, she she stands up for him this time, but she's not going to be there to do it all the time. Meanwhile, you have Atrocitus flying towards the Stormwatch headquarters. Um, the Eye of the Storm. He can sense that it's there because, like, he can sense the the ties to the Red Lanterns, you know, within it. Um, he thinks it's Abysmus um, because it's not a clear Red Lantern signature. But uh, he tears a hole in space itself to get into hyperspace to be able to attack this, uh, you know, Eye of the Storm ship. Um... Yeah, he basically just tears his way through, um, and then keeps tearing until uh, the you know the heroes, quote unquote heroes on the ship, try and intercept. So they're all all fighting him, um, basically slowing him down and pissing him off. And uh, the matter he gets, he grows. Apparently, um, he grows oh. about three times the size. <laughs> becomes like a Hulk beast. Um, yeah, no, that happens. That definitely, that clearly happens. That does not happen. No, I swear yeah, to God, it does. He grows yeah, does. three sizes. And uh, takes out all the other heroes. Meanwhile, uh, Rage Cat, um, oh, Dexter. Um, Rage, Rage Kitty, yeah. Yeah, goes up against, uh, you know, stupid Batman. And, uh... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, Mil- Mil- was it Mil- Milligan? Yeah. Milligan decides that the... You know what, what Rage Rage Cat would do? He wouldn't vomit, you know, rage blood at his enemy. He would attack it head on. Um, and even though he has a protective, you know, force field and makes him much stronger, um, he's susceptible to a punch by Stupid Batman. Um... Well, it's Midnighter. Midnighter, that's his name. Gets knocked out by Midnighter. Meanwhile, uh, Atrocitus is going, you know, mega rage on on these other, you know, characters from Stormwatch. Um, Martian Manhunter and Stupid Superman? Martian Manhunter and Hyperion. Nope. That's his name, right? Hyperion? Apollo. Apollo. There you go. Doesn't matter. Um... (laughs) Martian Manhunter is able to connect with uh, Atrocitus' mind, um, which is very convenient because he's then able to give a recap of everything that's happened to the Red Lanterns for the reader. Uh, Very convenient. Then Atrocitus is like, okay, now I'm done. You know, you have a Red Lantern ring here. And he, you know, he controls it with his mind. It flies towards uh, Skalox, and uh, Skalox is, you know, brought back as a Red Lantern. Um, he's all charged up, although I have no idea where that ring went, because his hand is missing. Um, and uh, Stormwatch is just like, um, okay, you'll be going now. And they create a, a doorway that transports, you know, all the Red Lanterns off the ship three light years away. And uh, they basically were able to pick up on the fact that 
the Red Lanterns have that disease going through their systems and they'll all be dead within a matter of days. So they don't have to worry about them. And then we cut back to the other Red Lanterns that were still on their way to um, the Star Sapphire homeworld, Zamoron. Apparently they, they just keep stopping every once in a while to <laughs> bully Rancor. But this, this time he, uh, he creates a construct of like a, a really badass ray gun. Um, just completely obliterates two of them with the ray gun and then like vomits like mega rage blood over this other guy's head. So he basically just kills three Red Lanterns and now everybody else respects him. Um, which is good because now they're, you know, it's just in time to uh, attack Samurai. Because they're probably the ones that infected the Red Lanterns, even though that most likely isn't the case. Yeah, that's a really flimsy excuse to have them go to Zamron, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, very. Um, and the one thing that I will start off mentioning is uh, that first page, you have these, these two Red Lanterns that are attacking Rancor. One of them looks exactly like a, like a brood from X-Men. <laughs> yes. And the other one looks like Dragon Man. Dragon from uh, the Fantastic Four comics. Well, he kind of does. Yeah, in the second panel. His head, at least. Exactly. Hmm. So. Ch- Chad, what do you think? I shall incinerate space and then tear into nothingness itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's retarded. <laughs> Tour space. <laughs> Um, and it's, oh, it's, I hate the art. Oh, God, I hate the art so much. Listen, the best part is that after he tears space apart, he actually says, like, somebody that came out of, like, the 1500s that was just time-traveled to the 20th (laughs) I was just about to say that. What strange science is this? (laughs) Like... Like, basically, like, he just witnessed, like, you know, witches doing witchcraft and magic. Meanwhile, he basically just opened up a... He opened up a portal into hyperspace, which he travels through anyway. (laughs) So, basically, he could have just sped along and, 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 you know, and exited out in the same spot. But then he basically sees a giant spaceship, and he has no idea what he's looking at, because... It's not like, you know, it's not like he's ever seen giant spaceships in space before. <laughs> and Dan, I'm just looking for a quick answer here so I can make make a point if you're if you do. Do you yeah. like or do what? Do you like or hate the art? I love absolutely everything about this issue. <laughs> really? Cuz look everything. at Dexter's look at Dexter's face when he jumps at Midnighter. Yeah, it does not look like a cat. No, he does not. Why not? What? You find me a cat. I will hold it up against this page. (laughs) Look at his. Look at his paws. Look at his face. That 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 looks nothing like a cat. In the panel, you know what? Punched in the face. He looks like a cat. Yeah, (laughs) you know what? Yeah, you know what? Last issue, he looked like a ferret. So this is this is a cat. (laughs) This is a step up. I will say this for the art, though. The page where it says the, the creature is getting stronger, it's getting power from somewhere, and it's it's Atrocitus. Yeah. Forget the forget Atrocitus himself. 
all the damage and sparks flying and all that stuff around it, that's really cool. That's a whole lot of detail. Yeah. I, I like that. That that particular page is just it's just a great page because it's like the creature is str- is stronger. It's getting power from somewhere. And the only the only other thing that you see on that page is like the little bubble rage. Yeah. And look at the panel above that where Citrus is flying backwards through those yeah. like all those walls before crashing into the one like like that's it's such I love things like that. That's like such a good use of like silhouette and black and white. And uh, <laughs> like seriously, I love how this book looks. Like I love like from yeah. the first page from the first first page we see Atrocitus on like this like I I saw how he looks, how monstrous he is and like his character design yeah. represented through this. I'm like, all right, we're back. Exactly. This is Atrocitus. This is Atrocitus the scary monster. And they could reinforce that throughout the entire issue by having him beat the shit out of this super team, or at least hold his own with it, when he's just like, he's just one guy. And we just saw them, we saw Apollo and Midnighter take apart Skalix, what, like, last issue? And, like, he's, he's, like, this sets him up. He's, He's big, he's scary, he's monstrous looking, he's a force to be reckoned with. All he has to power himself is his own rage, and that's more than enough to the point that, all right, we have to cut our losses and just hope he goes away. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I even enjoyed the recap page with Martian Manhunter looking into his head because, okay, yeah, you need that, I guess, because it's a crossover with a different series. But at the same time, like, I knew all this stuff, and I enjoyed it. I liked reading it. I love how his, in his eyes, how Jordan looks like this this almost robotic monster. I love, <laughs> I love this uh, one panel right after the one I was talking about with all the damage, where she's saying, you know, the situation's reaching critical, and he's like, I'm back in the mind space trying to convince the spirit of the ship to fix the HS subsystem. And then the voice of Jim in this comic, Apollo, says, what does all that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. They had, like, a bunch of moments in there where they're, like, they're clearly, like, okay, the reader, we need to catch up the reader, but they don't do it, like, super heavy-handed. <laughs> um, the only thing that I thought was a little wonky with the art was that one panel where Atrocitus, like, grows, like, to the size of, like, three people. Yeah, when are you talking about? Because okay. I didn't know that, that page, like, right at the next page after Atrocitus, you know, where they say Atrocitus is getting his power from somewhere. Yeah. Right. The opposite page, like, you see uh, Apollo and Martian Manhunter standing in front of Atrocitus, and mm-hmm. he's, like, enormous there. And, oh, okay. like, from the, the perspective, you know how big he is. Yeah, but doesn't it go back... Two pa- like the page after the Rage Kitty Punch, aren't they basically back to regular proportions again? Yeah, um, they are, but that's the point. Like he well, yeah. just suddenly grows out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the whole point. Like everything else in this book, like I really, really like the art. I think his art style fits this book so much better than Ed Bennis. Yeah, and hey, good news because I just checked while you guys were talking. He's on um, the book for a while. Yeah, Miguel Sepulveda, like, everything that's currently solicited, which is up through, like, the next, like, five issues or something, mm-hmm. he is the artist. Yeah, I actually checked that because I love, I, I really, really love this art on this book. And I'm, my god, 
when Rancor made that that ray gun construct near the end. Yeah. Like, how awesome is that? That's, like, one of the greatest constructs I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and, like, you can almost see it, like, if this was, a- if this was like, animated or moving or whatever, you could almost see it assembling itself like uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie constructs do. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of flaky bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Look, I'll say this about the... <laughs> and, and just for that panel itself, um, two things. One point I was going to bring up earlier... Part of the reason I don't like the art is because of the way the fire of Rancor is displayed as just kind of this constantly burning napalm stuff. I get that that's probably more likely what this scenario would look like, but I just like the fire thing, <laughs> the fire shooting off the top of his head, but the, go figure, I'm a Firestorm fan. <laughs> uh, uh, and just of note there, Rancor has now joined the ranks as one of the very, very few Red Lanterns who can create constructs. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of figured that was going to be the case. Yeah. Right, I but love- I'm just I'm just pointing it out that it's finally, you know, now we can, it's definitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one, I like how, oh, okay. Uh, the, uh, with the Red Lantern costumes, the way that he draws the costumes, like, mm. I wish that he would stick to either doing that kind of like uh, like mesh kind of thing or you know or just do it energy like like that bottom page from the uh, the construct of the ray gun it almost looks like he's like I don't know like like it's more like cloth in that bottom panel yeah I mean like switching back and forth like that I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that yeah I mean if you look at the last page and look at that group shot of everybody like I, I love how that group looks. Like, yeah. It's so much darker. They use black so much more heavily. I, th- I feel like it, it makes them scarier. Like, it complements their, their character designs a lot better. I'll agree with that. I, I'll give him credit where credit is due. They do look... These lanterns look really sick and freaking crazy demonic. But I'm just not a fan of the art. And I think you already touched on a main part of the reason why, just a second ago, Dan, just the amount of blacks used in this issue. I don't like that. I mean, that's just something that doesn't appeal to me personally, which isn't to say that the art itself isn't good for this guy's particular type of style. It just, I don't like it because it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Well, you'll have plenty of time to get used to it. (laughs) I I am not 100% sure, but I could swear that a lot of those other Red Lantern designs are, like, inspired by other movies and stuff. I could definitely see um, that one that's kind of calmly standing right behind Rancor's feet. Like, he looks kind of like a a horror movie character. Yeah. (sighs) But, yeah. Um, I like... This is something they've been doing, but I like how they're continuing the, uh, the parallels in a narration between like what Rancor is going through and what Atrocitus is going through. They both, they basically both say the exact same things to close out their scenes. Just, you know, replace Red Lantern with human kind of thing. Uh, so it's like kind of like two characters going down a similar path, but for different reasons. Um, I love the fact that after Atrocitus, the Scallops leave, they're just talking, and another little portal opens, and they just toss Rage Kitty through it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, here's your cat! 
Um, um, what do you think? No, go ahead. I, I'm pretty sure I, I, I hate Stormwatch. <laughs> like, I hate them. Like, the entire team... Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll save that for the end. Give issues... It, and I'm not talking to you, Jim. So, so hush. <laughs> if oh. anybody is interested... In seeing a good version of the team, I just reread issues one through six, and it is significantly better than what you see here. So, if you can, if you can stand going ahead and just leaving yourself on a cliffhanger without absolutely having to know what happens next after issue six, then at least read issues one through two or something. Oh, of Stormwatch. Yeah, because because yeah. I I enjoyed issues one through six. Yeah, I read the first four or so of those and they're they're pretty good i mean it's not the it best like, comic out there but it's pretty uh, good it, it wasn't i don't know it wasn't quite what i wanted it to be wasn't it to be i don't think it was weird enough for me kind of thing i don't know now it is oh good <laughs> um oh jim since you hate Stormwatch so much what do you think about this uh this uh little not-so-subtle foreshadowing that there might be a Stormwatch Green Lantern crossover in the future, where they're going after the Green Lantern Corps in some capacity. I... I I believe, in my heart of hearts, that the series will be cancelled before any of that could happen. Well, it sounds like they're gonna need to have to to do that really soon to to bump sales. Uh, You know, the the, 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 (laughs) funniest thing about this issue of Red Lanterns is that it's Red Lanterns and then right on the cover, Stormwatch faces the rage of Atrocitus. Like, like, honestly, like, they're gonna put this on the newsstand and be like, hey, Stormwatch fans, check out Red Lanterns. Like, there are people out there that are picking up Stormwatch and nothing else and (laughs) that they're trying to cross-promote Red Lanterns (laughs) on the popularity of Stormwatch. Hey, man, yeah. look. I mean, look, a lot of this stuff... Like, Stormwatch is one of those... Uh, yeah, they were Wildstorm. Like, there's the... DC still has, like, that little family of <clears throat> of uh, Wildstorm books that are now a big part of the DC universe. And there's some people out there who, you know, they weren't reading DC, but they were reading Wildstorm. So, like, books like Stormwatch and Grifter and... Voodoo when it was around. I think it ended. I don't remember. But like, you know, that is the the DC universe those people are into. So you cross it over with another book. Like I knew people who, well, I'm getting my tenses all mixed up. I know people who were reading. Uh, what the fuck was it? Like, like they would they would re- they only cared about the the Wildstorm ish books in the new 52 and superboy had a lot of like had at least like one or two um uh characters like that fair child girl who's in ravengers now she was in superboy every issue and she was a gen 13 character so they're picking that up because they want to see if anything happened with her kind of thing so the cross promotion works maybe not to the incredible scale they would need it to to really boost numbers but it still gets more people buying issues Speaking of crossover, since you weren't on episode 134, Dan, um, <laughs> what do you think of the fact that these two crossed over? Like, is there even a precedent for that? Because Jim and I talked about this already. 
know. Like, there's a, there's a reason for New Guardians and Blue Beetles to, Blue Beetle to cross over just with the history between Lanterns and the Reach. That was at least plausible. But to Stormwatch crossing over with Red Lanterns, any reason at all? <sighs> both written, yeah. both written yeah. by Peter Milligan. Yeah, it's, it's easy to do. Because <laughs> it's the same writer. Uh, both are in space, I guess. But I don't, I don't know, you know. I mean, when, when you get right down to it, there's some crossovers they're doing that make a lot of sense. Like having Blue Beetle and New Guardians crossover. Or having... Having, I can't remember any of the other ones they did, but then like something they're about to do is is have Green Arrow and Hawkman do like this multi-part crossover between those two series. So in which case, oh, you can say, yeah, well, those characters have a history that's that's intertwined, so that makes sense. Okay, yeah, but at the same time, both of those books aren't selling that great so it's not like they're really going to help each other <laughs> I, was, I was just about to ask is savage hawkman and green arrow still being published <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i don't know it's a weird one because like with the blue beetle green lantern thing you can at least say that okay blue beetle will probably get a nice boost from green lantern readers because i haven't looked at blue beetle's placement on the Top 100 or whatever, but I can't imagine it's higher than New Guardians is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It might just come down to the same writer was writing both books and wanted and thought, hey, I can cross these over. So, which to be fair, that's probably why, at least part of why we got the Blue Beetle New Guardians thing in the first place, because they're all is uh, both being written by Tony Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. The fact of the matter is, like, since he, you know, he knew that it was going to cross over, like, early on. So, like, ever since, like, issue three, he was setting it up. Yeah. So, it actually really fit. Eh, either way, I'm glad they did it. Because <laughs> we finally got a fantastic issue of this book. Um, it's my might be my favorite issue of this night. Seriously. Seriously? It's up there. I would say buy. Absolutely buy. Buy it twice. Borrow. Now, you uh... You just gotta be a contrarian. Now, Dan, why don't you tackle part 17 of John Stewart <laughs> is on trial again? Law and, or Law and Order Oa? Alright, let's see. Alright, so... Green Lantern Corps, number 10, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Hernando Passarin. John Stewart, been found guilty and sentenced to death. <laughs> and nobody's happy about that, even Sal. Like, he's, he's still sitting in exactly the same place he always sits. He never moves. I hope that there's a built-in toilet or something there. Um... The Alpha Lanterns tell everybody, look, disperse, go back to your sectors. No one does. The Alpha Lanterns are like, go, no, 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 go. Don't you even think about rebelling against us and overthrowing us easily. Go back to your sectors. And Guy Gardner's like, oh, 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 this is going to be bloody. So John Stewart gets taken back to the Alpha Tower, or what, what was that? 
dumb thing you wanted to call it, Jim? The Citadel of Justice? Yeah, the Citadel of Justice, where the Alpha Lanterns park their taco trucks. They, you know, they're locking up John to await, you know, the... Because they have to figure out how and when they're going to execute him. Uh, John basically makes his last request, which is to get to talk to Kurt's family one last time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, because it's got to be, it's got to be really depressing. So yeah, yeah, no, why, why wouldn't it? Be? <laughs> this is make Jim feel bad month. <laughs> um, so the Alpha Lanterns they go and get Kurt's mom and father and and uh, brother, and John just like once he he tells them like look I'm sorry I should have been honest with you, but you know I may have lied about how Kurt died. I didn't lie about anything else. He was. He was chosen for a reason. He upheld his duty in the defense of others, but you know what? Every soldier has a breaking point, and he reached his. And I hope someday you can understand. And, you know, the mom and dad storm off, and the brother, he basically says, you know, Kurt probably, Kurt wouldn't want this to happen to you. I guess I can forgive you. But they kind of leave it on, like, a note of, like, like, well, you walked into this. Sorry. Um, but nicer than that. Meanwhile, <laughs> uh, they meanwhile, left it on the note that they both still missed him. Yeah, they did. Meanwhile, at the at the, the Guardians Planetary Citadel Space Planetarium room, they're discussing sentencing with the Alpha Lanterns, and the Alpha Lanterns. In a scene that I thought was kind of interesting, the the Alpha Lanterns are talking about what they want to do, and the Guardians are shooting them down left and right and saying, no, you can't do that. No, that's not appropriate. No, this is your mess. You have to to do it. Like, Guy Gardner makes a really good point of, like, you know what? You're trying, like, because they're trying to <clears throat> get the Guardians to execute John. They're trying to get the Corps to execute John. They're talking about hiring a murder technician for Off-World to execute John. And guys, like you're you're going to point the gun at people and then make someone else pull the trigger? No, 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 no. And the guardians are like, you know what? Guys, right? I hate that, but guys, right? You guys are gonna have to do it yourselves. Um, just interesting because the guardians actually came off as kind of not heartless, soulless creatures for once. <laughs> um, so cut to the the Citadel of Justice or whatever <laughs> guy shows up and he brings John his last meal, which was something complicated that I don't even know what it all is, but guy brings him cereal cereal and milk. <laughs> and John's like, listen, you better not be planning on breaking me out at the at the execution tomorrow with some some half cocked cockamamie scheme. Half cocked cockamamie? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Those words are together. And guys, like, don't worry, I wouldn't dream of doing that. Just then, a giant green axe the size of an apartment building comes crashing through. <laughs> and basically, who is it? It's a. Uh, it is Kilowog, Isamot, Sheriff Vandor, and Brick are all holding off the Alpha Lanterns while Guy gets John to safety. <clears throat> uh, they need to. To fill up John's ring that was drained, so 
Guy flies them on top of the central battery and tells him to recharge. Sean refuses, so Guy knocks him the fuck out, puts his hand on the battery and gets him at 100%, and the two of them leave Oa, I presume. Well, again, the core is holding off the Alpha Lanterns, who just finally say, fuck it, we're draining your rings because we can do that. That's, like, the big thing we can do, so we're doing it. Well, dun, dun, dun. It's, it's not that they drain their rings. They, they said that they were mm-hmm. going to pull more power from the central power battery to create, like, this, like, emerald net that caught them by their rings. Oh, okay. That's why they're all in pain. I thought they were just being dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, the ironic thing about the serial is that it was Lucky Charms, and everybody knows that Jon Stewart doesn't need Lucky Charms anymore. What? Not after the original change. Are you making a CGS joke? Yes, it's a murder reference. Yeah. We got it. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Terrible cliffhanger. But otherwise, it's a step up from the last issue, I think. And uh, speaking of that scene in the the Guardian's chamber, I got two things to say. One, props to the artist for having uh, not not just Guy say what he says to the Alpha Lanterns, but physically puts construct guns in the Alpha Lanterns' hands. Yes. That was cool. But my the, the main point I want to make about this scene, and let me just quote them here. We do not agree with your decision, but we will not override it either since you followed the letter of the law. But to disregard its emotional context and its implications at this time is unwise. And then, you know, Budika makes the point, but you yourselves remove emotion and then they say true, but we do not discount its effects on other beings. Am I the only one thinking that maybe part of the reason all this stuff is going down with, with the Guardians isn't just because they're sick of all the rebelling within the core and that kind of stuff, but maybe they're kind of affected now by what Krona did to them by shoving the entities into them? <clears throat> that there's some lingering emotional... To them, they would consider it corruption that they just can't handle? It could be. I don't know if they would bring that up again now, after all this time. I... Part of me, like, part of me, would be okay with it's just the fact that the guardians are playing every side against themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. Like I half expected this scene to end with them deciding that Guy was going to have to be the executioner, or at least to have them like suggest it. You know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, and. Here's one thing I kind of skipped over. We get a one-page interlude of Kurt's ring, which has apparently been searching for a new, a new uh, bearer for uh, 18 days, six hours, 14 minutes, and 32 seconds. Which you know, I don't think it really take, should take that long. So I think maybe this has been the scene has played out more than once, where like it <laughs> finds somebody, yeah, it starts to initiate them, and then just stops. So part of me thinks like, <clears throat> like, okay, is that the Guardians? Because look, if the Guardians want to destroy the Green Lantern Corps, they're not going to want new Green Lanterns popping up. Mm-hmm. You know, that would just make it harder for them. So did they turn off part of the program that that initiates new whatevers? Or 
I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, or would that ring still be flying around if they did that kind of thing? But the thing that sprung to my mind first is that, okay, you know what? Maybe, like, because we still, we're still going to be getting that, that uh, new Earth Lantern eventually. Is, like, would this ring somehow find its way to him? Would he be chosen, like, by mistake? Or, like, would it be, like... Because, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how it works in my head. Because, like, if the Guardians don't want new recruits happening, then why would we get a new Earth Lantern in the middle of all of it? And would this ring be going to him? Or would it... Blah. I don't know. Well, actually, if it's a zero issue, then it doesn't necessarily have to take place right now. Like, it may have taken place before issue one. So maybe there's a guy that got... Maybe he got Hal Jordan's Green Lantern ring. Ooh. And he's been a Green Lantern, but he hasn't been using it or anything like that. <laughs> or, you know, we have we just haven't heard of it at all. Okay. Well, like, do you think there's, like, ev- like every vacant Green Lantern ring in the universe has just been kind of flying around space? ever since the Guardian hit a big lever that said, no more recruits. (laughs) No more mutants. No, I don't know. They they pulled one of their famous levers from from Green Lantern number one back in the 50s. Well, the other other option is that, you know, it's looking for a replacement. So, you know, it finds this, uh, this guy is a brilliant scientist, supposedly. Um... And he has the, you know, he's a professor, he has the ability to overcome great fear, the thing starts to initiate him, and then all of a sudden, it stops. Now, maybe it probed his mind and said, okay, you have too strong of a mind, you know, we don't want you for the next phase. Like, maybe it's looking for somebody that has great willpower and the ability to overcome great fear, but is also incredibly susceptible to, uh, you know, outsider programming for the Third Army. I could be. So, like, maybe there's a new set of requirements for the rings. Yeah. What did you guys think about the Alpha Lanterns this time around? <laughs> Stupid. Really? Even the the little back and forth with John and, uh... Yeah, that was... Variks? Yeah, that's, Varix? that was the only half-decent part. Just like when Kurt's family came by, the only part that, you know, was tolerable was when Kurt's brother. Okay, like, they react, the way his mom and dad reacted was perfectly fine. Like, they, like, John wanted to just, like, be honest with them once before it was too late to ever, like, tell them the truth, and... You know, in his like that's what he he wanted to get that information across with them, but you can't just tell somebody that and expect them to stand there and listen and process it. They're going to react the way they reacted. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, he says to him, "Look, I may have lied to you about he di- how he died, but I didn't lie about how I felt." And it, like they look at him, like it's like, yeah, well, the thing about how he died was pretty much the thing that we were concerned with. You know, it's like, 
It's like, I may have lied about how he died, but I didn't lie about the color of my car. It's... Yeah, well, this, like, this conversation between him and Kurt's family is a microcosm of his entire trial, where it's, it's what's more important, the fact that Kurt died or why Kurt died. And, like, you know, Kurt, uh, Kurt, John's already failed to get his point across in the court of public opinion and in the court of the Alpha Lanterns, but this was hit, like, he at the very least wants Kurt's family to understand because at the end of the day, they're the ones that were the most affected by this, more than the core, more than John. Well, thankfully, he won't be on trial next issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, What that was an... Um, like, this... Ever since this arc started, this book has known how to go big. Like, that axe? Jesus. Like, do you see how tiny they are down there? That... Oh, my God. <laughs> like, the axe is the size of the moon. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny how much you love this book. Why? <laughs> and how much I dislike it. Yes, you hate people. That's why you have internet friends and not real friends. So what? I think this is a buy, very clearly. <laughs> Low buy. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so Green Lantern. Ah, uh, the shining jewel of the number tens. Oh, we're gonna talk Hooray. about Red Lanterns again? No, no. Oh, let's see. Uh, Green Lantern number ten by Jeff Johns, art by uh, Doug Monkey, inks by Christian Alame and Keith Champagne. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and let's see. Tom Wynn. Oh, yeah, Tom Wynn. Yeah, there's a lot of anchors on here. Colors by Hi-Fi. Um, let's see, we we pick up where the last issue left off, uh, on Planet Knock, the prison Planet Knock, uh, mind you. And we have uh, the Indigo Lanterns offline going after uh, Hal and Sinestro uh, as... Sinestro is still shocked uh, at being released from a um, Indigo ring, not knowing quite what's going on. They are immediately on the run. As they run, Black Hand, William Hand, is now aware of what's going on. Asks, where is his black ring? So uh, I guess he doesn't remember anything about white rings or any of that stuff. Uh, sees the Indigo ring, tosses it off, and kind of staggers off into the, the darkness, uh, trying to look for an escape. Uh Hal and Sinestro, as they're running from the freed Indigo Corps, is simultaneously chasing that Romo. Not in the, not in the Tromo. And, um... <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh... Hal's explaining to him what's going on. Um, Sinestro says, you know what, to hell with this, I'm just gonna... I'm not gonna run, I'm gonna face them. And says he does not forgive in, in a very cool moment because considering just a panel ago uh, Hal says his ring Sinestro's ring is drained somehow Sinestro's ring sparks up like yes. he's going to fight him and um, which is, is not to be looked overlooked there right as Hal grabs him and tugs him back saying uh, you know come, come help me find that Romo and then they kind of argue for a minute about stuff we'll get into later they almost crush him with a uh, hum, uh, construct Hummer. 
um, in a very chip versus a tractor kind of, or a dump truck kind of a thing. But they don't. Uh, they cage him up and uh, they Hal asks him to restart the Indigo Lantern. Uh, Sinestro takes a spike to his throat and threatens him, uh, which doesn't work. Hal convinces him that it won't work. So Sinestro runs off to face them in the woods to give Hal time. Uh, Hal explains everything to Nat Romo, says, we got to do this. Here's why we got to do this. Try and restart it. It fails. And then Indigo walks up and says, you have to restart the battery. And Nat Romo calls her Eroke the child killer. And she says she knows what she did to Abin's daughter. Um, and apparently she has now... She, she feels sadness and compassion and stuff because of how long she's been exposed. That spark of compassion sparks up a ring and thereby restarts the battery. Everybody comes online, including Sinestro. And uh, William Hand, uh, his ring goes searching for him. As he's running, he sees the indigo ring coming at him, says no, leaps off the side of a cliff, and goes literally blap against the <laughs> side of a rock and is dead. And Indigo Lantern of Sector 2814 deceased, scanning Sector for replacement, which means now there's an Indigo ring on looking for someone from Earth yes. or from that sector. Sector, So maybe, maybe Adam again, who knows, um, goes off. And uh, we're left on that for a moment as Hal begs him to let Sinestro go. And Iroke asks, do you believe he can become a hero again? And we leave on that cliffhanger there as Doug Monkey proves himself once again in a very uh, Green Lantern number 33 or number 34, I can't remember, or 43. Uh, the, 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 regardless, the, the Green Lantern prelude issue to Blackest Night where we, it was all William Hand issue. Bloop goes a black ring from... William Hand's dead mouth and William Hand of Earth rise. And we have Black Lantern William Hand. Yes. Uh, where should we start? Uh, I don't know. Is, is Jim around? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> I heard a door shut earlier. I wasn't sure whose that was. Um... I don't know. I'm just picking something at random. How about the uh, random uh, indigo ring that's now on search for someone from Earth or the <laughs> Earth sector? Yes, <clears throat> I like that. I like the possibilities that leaves open. Could be a new character. Could be. I mean, I hope at this point they're kind of done. Would be let's give a different colored ring to the existing character because they're only going to keep it for like five minutes, or maybe it'll go to Kyle again. Who knows? Like, I would like to see, like, another new Indigo Lantern, like, show up. Like, be from Earth or something. Now, the question is, does it go to somebody who is filled with compassion, or does it go to somebody who is completely bereft of compassion? That is an interesting question, because that leads me to something I was going to bring up eventually. I think, like... I hate the fact that the whole plan, the redemption plan thing for the the Indigo tribe, I hate that it worked on Indigo 1. I, we, like, when we found out 
these were like the most sadistic killers and psychos in the galaxy, all of a sudden it adds like that a new layer to any future interactions with her. Because if anything, like if if they're out in the field with Indigo One and her ring should run out or something should happen to take out their rings, because it happens. All of a sudden, she is going to be a threat to everyone around her. Like, they, they, or like, even when she's not, they would have to always kind of look over their shoulders at her, knowing that okay, that is a stone cold killer that's just being kept in check by this band around her finger. Like the fact that she's basically a good guy feeling remorse at this point, kind of takes a lot away from the character. So I would love it. If the this indigo ring found a complete sociopath on Earth, and that was the new character we got, um, I kind of like that she's reformed, uh, not necessarily because it's her, but because of the time span, because she is indigo one, the first lantern, uh, indigo lantern to be exposed to this uh, rehabilitating agent, so to speak, and it's finally worked on her. Mm. And that kind of brings up a couple of, a point I did not bring up in New Guardians because I was waiting for this. When they sought to show the blue light of hope to one of the uh, um, reach, uh, one of the blue beetles uh, on Odom, not this issue, uh, number 10, but last issue, or blue beetle number 10, I can't remember. I think it was, I think it was uh, last uh, New Guardians. Uh, it didn't work the first time, but the second time they tried it on the same person, he actively says, I don't want to go back. You know, the blue light of hope could, you know, it, it, it could have been an escape or something to that effect. Yeah, I remember that. And, and then, if we would also remember, um, the effect of having what happens when you have parallax in you more than once or have been exposed to parallax, you are resistant to the infection or something like that of, of parallax. It, the exposure to these emotions has an effect the more you're exposed to it. And I like that that theme, whether intentional or not, is continuing in this regard. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, I really like the potential of having the bad guy in the, in your midst as a part of your team <laughs> with that kind of on and off switch that could get flipped at any point kind of thing. Well, you have an entire core now of these same... I mean, because Oroke was the only one that came back and said, please turn it back on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in this issue, Monk is very clearly not yeah. that way. So I guess if, if he hooks up with the New Guardians again, I guess we would still have that kind of thing yeah. I'm looking for. Exactly. And that, as long as we're talking about Oroke coming back, what do you think about the fact that reassembling the battery, like... He basically just had to say the word... He saw a flicker of compassion in her, said the word knock, and all of a sudden the battery is back and fully charged again. Makes about well, as he... much sense as anything else. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I thought... Because they kept... Because they showed Black Hand throw his ring away. And then they cut... <clears throat> And then on that page was Sinestro on the bridge. They show a panel of that ring sitting there, surrounded by this eerie light, with a captain that says, but with their lantern shattered, you're offline like the rest of them. I thought that was going to insinuate, like, 
a new battery would grow from that ring or something like that. But I guess it was just to, to remind us that Black Hand's free or something. But I, I don't know. It seemed like such... Like, I'm glad the Indigo Tribe isn't gone, but it completely takes away the impact of that cliffhanger where they all went away, you know? Mm-hmm. And speaking of impact in the scene, Sinestro sparking his ring yes. is completely drained. And so, you can you can say all you want that maybe it's not completely drained, but this is Jeff Johns and Doug Monkey. There's no way that that was misdrawn or miscolored. I mean, I'm just talking to anybody out there who says that's not a, a sign of things to come. There's no way that is in there by accident. Yeah, and plus the page right before it, they make a point of saying of how having Hal say your ring is drained. Like they didn't have to say that either. Like he he put that there. Jim, were you? How did you feel when you saw that happen? Because like that's something you've been wanting to to see outright happen for a long time. I mean, you know, if anybody's gonna do it, Sinestro's a pretty good candidate for it. And then they, you know, they basically take him out of the situation before he's able to, you know, realize it. Yeah. So. So that way they can delay actually showing that reveal that they can do it. Mm-hmm. His anger is very focused in that moment. I mean, his motives or whatever, whether or not they're good or bad, but I mean, he's pissed off. He's like, screw them. Nobody does this to Sinestro and is very focused in that moment. So it's it's good that it happened then of all times in this book. Yeah. And I let some... Go ahead. No, you go ahead, you go ahead. Something that kind of washed over me on the first two or three read-throughs, but when I was reviewing it for this issue, or for this episode, I finally got it. That one two-inch panel, right after they dissolve the um, uh, the, the Hummer construct, let me be, I want to say goodbye to my family. Now, it could be just grave somewhere or whatever, but right. do you think there's something that we'll see down the road that's connected to that. I mean, not not down the road, like, they're going to reveal it in a future storyline. I mean, like, something we'll see soon that'll be a part of a, the next issue or the issue after. No. Yeah, no? I don't really think so. Either. I don't think we're going to see any more, you know, having to do with this guy's, you know, whatever's. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, it is Graves and whatnot. I think he's the last one. Hmm, let me look. Uh, go ahead, I'm just going to look up something while you... What about this conversation Hal and Sinestro have, where uh, he's trying to threaten Naruto to tell, to uh, put the battery back together? <clears throat> and Hal's like, like, you can't threaten him with anything because he already thinks it's over. Like, it's fear isn't the answer like the wording of that like fear isn't the answer you're not right this time and the way Sinestro reacts to it um, you know with the you know, completely different topic but oh. with, <laughs> yeah no I I mean yeah it's well, before you go there just 
just before we go too far into this other thing. I've got issue nine up in front of me right now. Uh, and this is the very first part of this flashback that uh, Romo has when he's revealing the history of the planet Nock. Thanks to the violent explorers who came to my world centuries ago, I am one of the last of my native people. So. Yeah. But then so the other thing is, he's basically been in this cavern since Aven Sir died, so. Well, he's, saying, he's telling the story at that time to Hal. So at the time that he met Hal, just last issue, I am one of the last. Right. And yeah. I'm, he's been... I'm just saying it's a possibility. That's all. Oh, it's definitely a possibility that there's more people like him. Yeah. But I have a feeling that they're going in the direction that he's the like the last one. Hmm. I don't think so, but you know, hey, we'll see. Because yeah. we, we, do, we do have one more scene here on Nock, at least, because we have to see what happens with Sinestro. Yeah. Like, is, are they going to release him? What does Hal say? Um, you know, how does William Hand leave Nock, you know? so. Yeah. And at the very least, Sinestro doesn't stab him in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is great. It's, that scene is great, because, like, a moment like that is why Sinestro brought Hal along in the first place, you know? Because... He wouldn't. Have, he might not have. You know, he might have stuck to his guns. He might not have gone with the tactic that Hal wanted to. He wouldn't have gotten the results he needed. I laughed a little bit when they had to dissolve the construct really fast to avoid running him over. Um, well, the thing that I was going to mention was that in this issue. Like, you have Sinestro lights his own ring, um, you know, with uh, his whatever willpower he has inside. Um, also in this issue, Indigo 1 sparks her ring, you know, with which to, you know, create the, the new battery, with the, you know, recreate the battery. And then you close with Black Hand sparking his ring without the power, you know, without the use of a battery. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they're they're definitely playing that up. You know, for, for three characters to do it, it's almost being, like, telegraphed now. Yeah, I... And, like, I don't even know how Black Hand... That whole Black Hand thing happened, and I don't care. I just love that it happened. Like, Chad hit it right on the head when he said it reminded him of that uh that prelude to Blackest Night issue. Like I reading these couple pages gave me the same feeling I did when I read that back then. Especially since it's Doug Monkey and Jeff Johns again. Like the mood was perfect. The and like everything about it was so effective. And it's I like I'm not even thinking about it in terms of big picture. I'm just thinking about it in terms of like this was a this sequence was a joy to read. Yeah, I think there are two panels out of sequence, but that notwithstanding, it was a joy to read. <laughs> Where? The uh, William Hand of Earth Rise page. You've got you've got the ring <clears throat> coming out of his mouth. Looks kind of like a little misshapen thing. Zips flies around, says William Hand of Earth. Then it puts <laughs> itself on his finger and says Rise. 
Then it gives you a panel where the ring is floating next to his face, and then he gets up. So I think it's a. I think the bottom three panels are supposed to be middle, then left, then right. Oh. Or. Or it's completely flipped backwards. So William Hand of Earth, and then that causes his hand, his eye to open. You know, and then he, you know, he actually starts to wake up a little, and then the ring goes on his finger. Why that's not that... him waking up. That's just that's them. That's it. Them repairing his his skull. Yeah, I mean, it it, it would make sense if it didn't have the ring right next to his face kind of thing because like I could see like it, the ring goes on his finger and his head wound repairs itself and then he wakes up like that makes that's fine like you shouldn't have that like glowing ring that's on his finger be floating in front of his face while it's on his finger maybe it came off his finger to repair his head and then flew back on his finger it gets on his finger it's like oh shit goes back fixes that alright now we're good now we're good now we're good yeah. rise <laughs> Speaking of his head, I love like the, those three panels of his the close-up of his face where the rings popping out. I love that his face is just smushed and splayed. You can totally see his. I mean, you don't see the whole thing, but you just see his the way his head kind of shapes flat against the ground. Yeah, and like that's, look, that's, yeah, like look at the way the ring like breaks through his teeth to mm-hmm. get out. <laughs> I love when he just like when he jumped off that cliff. Do you think he was trying to die or was he trying to fly away? Because it looks like he's trying to fly away into the sky in classic Superman pose and then just falls. I think he was trying to die because he can't become a Black Lantern or anything unless he sacrifices himself, right? Not just dies. Yeah. Well, was because he trying it, to become was, one? Wasn't that the whole point of uh, of uh, that prologue to Blackest Night? Like, he he couldn't just die; he had to kill himself, and then it worked. I mean, granted, he had Scar there with him when that happened, but um, I don't think that it makes a difference because, like, there's always been that kind of looming idea that if somebody did just accidentally kill him then that might bring everything back, you know, about again, anyway. Yeah. Well, he does that... crave being dead. I mean, he wants, he, he loves death. Well, I mean, beyond that, I mean, it, it, it makes sense on a completely different level that if he is an Indigo Lantern, he's a slave to the ring. So do you live your life as a slave or you die as a free man? And... <laughs> You know, for somebody that is in love with death, even for somebody that isn't, you know, it's uh, it's not the easiest decision. Hmm. Fantastic last page, though. Mm-hmm. Last two pages. Yeah. I mean, even, like, just that one splash of, like, him in the rain with his Black Lantern costume back and his ring. Oh, so good. I like the splash of Sinestro leaping over the log and punching Monk in the face. <laughs> yeah. I like the With, way that looks. Especially, like, the lighting where, like, 
the background of his symbol and his yellow eyes are the brightest light sources. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So the issue's over, and there's no reason why there wouldn't be an Indigo Lantern in New Guardians. Yeah. I'm just saying, as far as, like, all the solicits show no Indigo Lantern. Yeah. Oh, well. Maybe they'll get... Oh, look. If Considering that we now know what the Indigo tribe is for, I think they're going to be dedicated to that. Like and like, um, I forget if it was this issue or last issue where um, Nostromo said, you know, to Hal, you inherited his ring, Adam's ring, so you've inherited this responsibility too, or something like that happened. So I think when um, like the war of the third army, does that does that storyline have a name yet? <laughs> Is it just the third army? <clears throat> yeah. Alright, so I think when that happens, the entire Indigo tribe is going to be with Hal. So they won't have anybody available to kind of do the th- their thing with the new Guardians. <clears throat> now, do you think Iroke was just following the crowd? Or was... Because she's with them the entire time going after Sinestro and Hal. Or she's just following them to see where she could get the power back. Because she's up with them up until the point where uh, Sinestro's fighting them and uh, Hal does the evil Knievel jump. And then she looks up and then take immediately takes off through the woods. Hmm. She probably like, wanted it try and figure out what was going on and since she was a convict and she knows what the others are thinking she's probably thinking it's like well I should probably keep up with the pack because if I hang back that's going to make me suspect and you don't want to have to go up against that many convicts well I was wondering if she was just following them because they were going after Green Lanterns and she probably has no idea where she's at on the pl- on this planet. I mean, she probably is familiar with the prison itself, but as far as the planet, she probably has no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could buy what Jim's saying. Um, I just know, like, I... <laughs> it added to my disappointment, because what, at that panel where she sees Hal do the jump and then run off in the woods, she looks extra menacing. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cool. And it turns out she's all better. So, yeah. I think that's important to have. You know, hmm. you have um, St. Walker for the Blue Lanterns. It's nice that they would have something for the Indigo as well. All I know is that new Indigo Lantern from Earth better like kill babies or something. Doesn't necessarily have to be from Earth. Oh, it will be. Sector yeah, the new the new Red Lantern didn't have to be from Earth either. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if they wanted to sell comics, it did. Maybe the new Indigo tribesmen will also be British, and then they would just won't tell us. 
I just I love the sound effects in this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of them in this issue. Lap. <laughs> just it's awesome. Like they give Hal's motorcycle jump a sound effect. Like a bunch of them. When he screeches the motorcycle to a stop. Yeah, there's a there's a croom when he like revs up and goes off the ramp for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see where they do and don't do it because they you'd almost expect there to be some big one right where uh Sinestro punches Monk in the face. Mm-hmm. But no, they choose their moments. It's interesting. So yeah, I call this a buy. Bye. It's no Red Lanterns, but it's still good. Yep. Yeah, good month. At least I think so. <laughs> it was a month. <laughs> this issue saved all the others. Oh. <laughs> oh I, come on, I'm... it's just it's just epic. I, I, it's 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 so. I mean, we've said this before about Jeff Johns' writing and the way he lays everything out, but it's so cinematic. I think that has a lot to do with the placement of those sounds in there, where the the sounds are there where the sounds would be important, you know? Like, yeah. when Sinestro turns and faces them, you see lightning in the background, one panel, but when he's actually, when, you, when the camera zooms out and you see him facing them, that's when they put the lightning strike sound, you know? Yeah. So. I don't know, I, I still... Maybe it's just because of how crappy the last nine issues were, but I was really, really impressed with Red Lanterns. And I think I think I'm getting more out of Green Lantern core right now than I am of Green Lantern. Just because when you get right down to it, like I love Green Lantern right now for it being just like this fun buddy cop adventure with Hal and Sinestro. But I'm more invested in the character of Jon Stewart, so I'm kind of like I, I'm getting as much out of the sto- the story of John and his Talking Heads trial as I am of this rip roaring adventure on space prison jail, <laughs> you know. So you admit it's Talking Heads work. Oh yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different kind of story. They did their big action summer blockbuster with the uh, keepers, and now they're doing something else. Hell, if you remember, I'm also the one that really, really, really wanted to see a few issues of just Hal Jordan, like, eating Cheerios and cruising through the one pads. <laughs> There's still time, Dan. You can make that comic yourself. Yes! It'll be so good. It'll be, like, 96 pages. Nothing will happen. Hmm. Is Jim alive? Are you tired? Yeah. You want so to let's end? talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have a topic if we would, but that's all. It's not anything that's any important at all, though. Oh. I was just, you know, 50, new 52 reactions now that the, the hardcovers are coming out. Because, oh yeah, did yeah. you get Demon Knights or did you get um, Batgirl? I got Demon Knights mostly because it was the cheaper of the two, since it's trade paperback and the other ones are hardcover. Yeah, 
Plus, it left me money to pick up Revival number one. So. Um, San Diego Comic Con is going on right now as we record this. Yeah. And Did you hear? Go no go ahead. Well, just after we finished recording last week, we found out about the exclusive, the uh, 3.75 inch two pack of Kyle Rayner and Kilowog. Screw you, SDCC. Screw mm-hmm. you. I mean, like, honestly, I think the reason that these things are convention exclusive, which, by the way, for our listeners, it's the DC Collectibles, which was formerly DC Direct. They're now now doing a line of 3.75-inch figures, but they will all be con-exclusive, which means that if you don't get to go to the con, you can't buy these figures. So, and they actually look really nice. It's, It's like you know, the beautiful look of a DC Direct figure shrunk down to 3.75 scale. Uh, and Kilowog is noticeably taller than, you know, Kyle also. So they keep that, that going, too. So they're really nice figures. And it's $25 for the two-pack. I think the reason that these things are con-exclusive is probably probably because they have some kind of non-competitive clause with Mattel. Because even though they're not doing them right now, Mattel had the uh, was the Infinite Heroes, those horrible, horrible small-scale <laughs> figures. And, and even with the Green Lantern movie, they had, uh, I think it was probably 3.75-inch scale Green Lantern figures. And I think the Batman figures for the new Batman movie are probably around the same scale also. So... It would be nice if they show up on the, uh, the, what is it? The Ebays? No, the, the website, uh, was it Graffiti Designs? Yeah, because they distributed through Graffiti Designs. Mm. Uh, in past years, that it has shown up on the website afterwards. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of the con, did you hear about, uh, the... <laughs> the person who died there yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was um this is the Tuesday before the show officially starts. The um <clears throat> there's somebody crossing the street to get to Hall H and they the the account I read said they they stumbled and fell into an oncoming car and uh were were taken to the hospital by police and pronounced dead. And it that really, yeah. You, know, you, you don't get much worse ways to kick off what's essentially a celebration of fandom <laughs> and the things that we're fans of. Yeah, no, it's tragic. It, it's it's sad for anybody to have to die for something that they love like that so much. You know, yeah. just yeah. die for your fandom. It's it's all like wrong place, wrong time things. Like if they didn't trip, then it wouldn't have happened. If that car wasn't going, it wouldn't have happened. Hmm. And uh, just as a note, I was just flipping through my issue of Revival number one from Tim Seeley and Mike Norton over at Image, and uh, it's a great issue. It's a new take on zombie. Um, the zombie type concept I think uh, Jim would enjoy it um, 
actually enjoy this one. The art's great, and uh, there is not a single ad in this entire issue, nice. except for the back cover, you know, the, the letters page or whatever. But there is not a single issue, or, or, or not a single uh, ad in this entire issue. It's a two ninety nine book, so it's it's really good. Guess if there's nothing else. Okay, uh, if you want to email us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com. If you want to go to our website, it's lanterncast.com. Uh, we have a voicemail number, 708 Lantern. Um, if you go to our website, there's links to our forum, our Facebook page, Twitter, a um, whole bunch of other stuff. Or you can find us on iTunes, just uh, search for Lanterncast. Subscribe to us or leave us a voice. Uh, leave, yeah, leave us a voicemail or leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, thanks to Scott who just recently left us a Canadian review on iTunes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I like how you you say it like it's different from an American review. It has well, to be read in a certain way. Yeah, but the stores are different. Okay. Good night. Night. Good night. Good night.